0: Happy Easter, everybody. So great to see you today. Thank you for coming. My name is David. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I get the opportunity to open up the Bible with you today and take a look at the Easter story. We look at the Easter story every... Easter, actually, and so it's exciting to look at it again, because I think that we'll see today that Jesus wants to encounter us in a very new way, something that I didn't see, actually, as I've read the Easter story many, many times. If you're a guest here, you may want to know that we are a church that meets in many different locations, Centerville here, Classics, uh, Northmont up by the airport, Springboro, Beaver Creek, many that are online in the Dayton area and around the country, really. And so, would you do me a favor, would all of you just do me a favor, buy a applause, would you welcome all the other campuses, and by applause, would you say Happy Easter to all those that are joining us in many different locations here this morning. Would you do that for me? It's just by applause. (laughs) Happy Easter to everybody. Great to have you with us today. Thank you so much. If you are a guest, you may also want to know that here at Fairhaven, we talk a lot about finding hope. It's so important to us. You've already heard about it in all of our campuses, and and finding hope is something that we really, really care deeply about, and let me just simplify it for you. Uh, When we talk about people finding hope, what we mean is a process of finding absolute confidence in God, no matter what the situation is, and so when you hear the word finding hope, or when you hear the phrase finding hope, rather, um, this is what we mean. This is what we're talking about because we are so passionate about making sure that all of us find confidence in a relationship uh, with God. We're not talking about religion, we're talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we'll talk more about that today. I love Easter because Easter is the Sunday that makes sense of all the other uh, Sundays, right? All the other 52, 51 uh, weekends, and so thank you for being here. We're so glad. For those of you that come on a regular basis, uh, it's great to see your faces. For those of you that are guests, we are honored that you would come. Chances are somebody invited you, and, and we're so grateful that you accepted. Accepted their invitation and are joining us here today. Before we jump in and take a look at uh, the Easter story in John chapter 20, if you want to go ahead and start finding your way there. um, By the way, if you don't have a Bible in any one of our campuses, we'll give you one online. We'll send you one. Just let us know. Uh, We just believe that having a copy of the Bible is so important because that's what we do. We study it. On Easter, though, it's the only time that I put uh, scripture on the screen here just because I recognize that on Easter we all have things we're doing and we're running places, and you may not have brought your Bible with you. but every other week we want you to bring your Bible and so if you don't have one, we'll give you one. 33 years ago, let me show you a picture of my wife and I. 33 years ago, um, she was pregnant. She's you know pregnant and hanging very low there uh, with son number one. We've had four sons. We're done. Um, We've had four sons, and we were pregnant with number one. We were so excited about it. She looks like she's so peaceful, and she just is an amazing uh, woman. I'm just so grateful for Kathy as she's helped to raise our four boys. And 33 years ago, we were really excited about that. And um, I I was saying to myself, you know, uh, during pregnancy, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, if, if and when we're ready to go to the hospital, I want to do it like really late at night so that I can go ripping through town and hoping that the police pull me over and that I get like a police escort to the hospital. I don't know if any other guys, you know, thought that or not, but that was my dream. I thought, man, that would be so cool. Like if she woke me up and elbowed me in bed at like, I don't know, two o'clock in the morning and said, we got to go and get in the car and just ripping down the road. And, um, and so that's exactly what happened. At 1.30 on a Wednesday night, I actually checked this out with her, Wednesday night at 1.30 in the morning, she woke me up and she says, it's time to go. And I go, are you serious? It's time to go? And she goes, yeah. And I go, let's go. We had the bags packed. They were already in the car. And we took off. And we were at, staying at Kathy's parents' house that evening. And so we could have taken the highway to the uh, the hospital, which is about 30 minutes away. But I thought, oh, no. I'm going right through the middle of town and I'm gonna go as fast as I can. I have no idea how fast I was going, but it probably wasn't safe, given the fact that I have a pregnant wife with me there. And so we're ripping through the middle of town, and there's no police to be found. I mean, I'm honking the horn even. Like, does anybody know we're coming through town? And not one police officer pulls me over. Nobody is there. It's absolutely amazing. We get to the hospital, and we check in, and we were in labor for over 20 hours. I was exhausted. (laughs) <laughs> if you're a mom, you're like, who's we, right? <laughs> Do you know that Easter is nothing like that event that took place? I want you to see today as we study in the Gospel of John, as we look at the story that John tells us about Easter Sunday morning as uh, Jesus has risen, that it's nothing like that. As you go through life... I want you to catch this, because if you catch this, you really catch the, really, the Easter message this year, and that is that as you go through life, as you drive through life, no matter how slow or fast you go through, it's important for you to know that God is on a relentless pursuit of you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He pursues you at every single point. He wants to make sure that you know He's there with you at every turn. And so as you're traveling through life, you need to know that opposite of what happened to me on the way to the hospital, um, God is on a a relentless pursuit of you. And so I want to do that with you today and look at how that happened on Easter Sunday morning, 2,000 years ago. So if you have a Bible or you have a device and you want to turn with me to John, John is one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 20. Let's look at the story. I want to read parts of the story uh, for you. And then I want you to see something that happened right after Jesus walked away from the tomb. It's incredible when you see, John chapter 20, I have it here for you. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the uh, the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, that's John, John is the author here, that's why it's called John, and John refers himself to the other disciple, and in fact, it's kind of humorous, uh, if you just kind of read along with me here, Uh, it's really funny how John refers to himself and the things that he says about himself in relationship to Peter, Uh, must have had some kind of competition going on, And, and of course, if you were to spend some time in the Smith house with four sons and myself, we're highly competitive, turns out, Simon Peter and John were as well. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, that's John, the one whom Jesus loved. I love that. And said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Mary said that to them. So Peter went out with the other disciple, John, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple, that's John, outran Peter, don't you love that? I mean, you know, in the, in the Easter story, he said, yeah, but I got there first. I mean, I, you know, just so you know, I mean, the other disciple, I got there first. And so he outran him and reached the tomb first and stopped to look in, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the other linen cloths, but folded up in a place all by itself. This was very intentional by God. Catch that. This is extremely intentional that God walks away, Jesus walks away from the tomb. It's lying by itself. Then the other disciple, that's John, who, by the way, reached the tomb first, so he says it a second time. Don't you love that? Reached the tomb first, also went in and he saw and believed. What did John see? Well, exactly what we're celebrating today that the tomb is empty. No one was there uh, except the angels. No one was there. Jesus had walked away from the tomb. And what did he believe? He believed everything that Jesus said. Jesus said that he was going to die, that he was going to die for you and for me and take the weight of the world and all of our sin and wrong and all the things that we've done in our life and then offers to us a relationship with him. And then on Saturday, it's silent. Nothing happens. You know, we go through Good Friday and Silent Saturday. And then Sunday morning, the tomb is empty, and John looks in, and he believes. You see, Easter is the culmination of our faith. Easter is the pinnacle. It is the zenith. It is the, it's the, uh, the, the very end of everything that we talk about in our faith. Easter, it culminates everything. And as I was reading the story in John chapter 20... I began reading past uh, John's description of the empty tomb, because that's about it right there. That's all John says. He was an eyewitness, and so he's worthy to be trusted in saying that the tomb is empty. But that's it. Eight verses long, John says, of the resurrection. And then John goes in, and the rest of chapter 20 and in chapter 21, which I hadn't seen before, although I knew the stories, but I hadn't strung them together. Do you realize that after the resurrection, Jesus encountered three people, and the three people that he encountered are so significant, and it cannot be lost on us today, it cannot be lost on us, the three individuals that he encounters, and the reason he encounters them, because it relates to me, it relates to you three people that Jesus encounters immediately after the resurrection, two of them on Resurrection Sunday and one of them um, a, le- a couple of weeks later. Uh, and so I want you to see this as John writes this because John is very clear that he looked in the tomb, it is empty, he believed that Jesus was alive and then he tells about these encounters that Jesus has and the encounters are so significant for you and for me here today. So as we get started here today, I want to remind you that because Easter is the culmination, that God is in a relentless pursuit of you. He desires today, on this Easter, to encounter you. And you might say, well, I I come every Easter. Well, well, that's, that's okay, because this Easter, he wants to encounter you this Easter. In what you're dealing with in your life, this Easter. And if you say, well, you know, I don't often come on Easter, I got great news for you. And that Jesus wants to encounter you today on Easter, because that's what he does. He's in a relentless pursuit of you. Here's the first encounter, you ready? Your Bibles, if you have them open, you can look again. It's in chapter 20 of John. The first uh, one that he encounters is a woman named Mary. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stopped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, the angels, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. She thought somebody had stolen the body, and she was weeping because of her great love and wanted to encounter Jesus. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And so Jesus says to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? The very first encounter after Jesus is resurrected from the tomb is Mary. It's not some VIP. It's not the church leaders. It's not the Pharisees. You probably heard about the Pharisees. It's not the Sadducees. See, the Sadducees didn't even believe in resurrection. Even though they were religious people, they didn't even believe in the resurrection. It would have been kind of fun for Jesus to go to the Sadducees and go, ta-da. But he didn't do that. He went to Mary a woman who loved him and cared deeply, and she was weeping. And I believe because she was weeping, that's exactly why Jesus wanted to encounter her, because she was hurting. She was experiencing brokenness in her heart. What I'm fascinated by in the story here is that she didn't even recognize that it was Jesus. It's so true, isn't it? That when you're hurting, when you're dealing with something emotionally, spiritually, mentally, relationally, and there's hurt in your life or there's wounds in your life or there's brokenness in your life, oftentimes we don't even recognize that Jesus is right there. We don't recognize it. We're no different than Mary actually. We don't even recognize that Jesus is there and, and yet Jesus reached out to her. Jesus encountered her. Jesus took the step and said, why are you weeping? Why would Jesus say that? I have this actually in my office. It's called a la like a crematory is a small little bottle like this. It sits, like I said, it sits in my office. And uh, these would have been around for thousands and thousands of years. This one isn't. This has been new probably in the last, I don't know, 10 years probably. Um, but this was used for thousands and thousands of years. Actually, even before Jesus. Um, these little bottles are really called a tear bottle. If you want to know the layman's terms, a tear bottle. Because this is what happens. Women, moms, sisters would take one of these bottles and they would open up the lid like this and um, as their husbands went off to war or their sons went off to war or their brothers went off to war, they would, as a gesture of love, they would take this little bottle and they would put it right by their eye like this and they would capture all of their tears, And then they would put the lid back on it and every time they cried, they would open it back up again and and capture the tears. They would capture it as often as they could so that when their husbands came home from war or their sons or their brothers, they would be able to present this to them and say, I've cared about you. I've been thinking about you. My tears prove that. You know, this idea and this thought is captured in scripture, actually. David wrote these words in Psalm 56 it says this, you, that's God, you have kept count of my wanderings, put my tears in your bottle. David knew about these bottles, and so he is crying out to God because he's in captivity with the Philistines, and he cries out to God and recognizes that God cares about his hurts and his wounds, He recognized that God was there. Such a powerful thing. Here it is uh, for those of you that may not have been able to see it because it's so small. It's right here, this tear bottle that God captures. It's actually this idea and that verse, Psalm 56, that changed my life when I was 22 years of age. I was in California, and I was going through a really difficult situation uh, in my family's lives, and uh, I remember a guy, an older guy, um, met me at church one day, I sat way in the back, and he met me afterwards and just introduced himself. Um, he didn't know who I was, I didn't know who he was, he introduced himself and invited me to come to his house for dinner. I was a single guy back then, and I went to his house thinking, ah, what do I got to lose? I need a free meal. And so I went to his house, and he sat with me, and he, t- he said, hey, tell me your story. And it was really hard to tell the story, and I tried to tell some of it, and, and then he said to me those words, he said, do you realize that in your pain, because he saw it, obviously, I wasn't crying, you know, we, we men, we don't cry, right? Um, but I was there and it was obvious that it was painful. And he said to me, he said, do you realize that God captures all of your tears in a bottle? That God wants to encounter you and me. That changed my life. I thought, you know what, if that's the kind of God that he is, I want to follow him. A God that not only knows about the things that we're hurting, but cares about them and actually reaches out like Mary and says, why are you weeping? I want to know. I want to encounter you. See, Easter, as we celebrate it, we need to know that when you are hurt, Jesus pursues you. He looks for you. He reaches out to you. He takes the first step. What's your response? Well, the response is, look for him because he's right there. The story of Mary um, in John chapter 20 is a great example of the fact that God is right there. He's right there. And so Easter is an opportunity for you to encounter Jesus in that way where there's a second encounter. It's actually still in John chapter 20 and it's the disciples. And of course it is, right? I mean, Jesus traveled with them for three years. And, and so of course that Jesus would encounter the disciples on Resurrection Sunday. Let me read it for you. Here's what took place. Now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin... We don't call him the twin. We call him Doubting Thomas. Am I right, church? Doubting Thomas uh, was not with them when Jesus came. So all the disciples were there except Judas um, and Thomas. So there was 10 of them. They were all there. And Jesus encounters them, but Thomas was not there. And I love this next thing that we read in scripture. So the disciples told each other, we've seen him. Sorry about your luck, Thomas. We've seen him. And so Thomas wasn't there. And so this is what Thomas said. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I get that. I'm sure you get that. I mean, we all know seeing is believing. We know that. Last week, I got a phone call from our bank And the lady on the phone said, "Um, I just want to call about two things on your account. And I said, okay. She said, number one, there's a charge for $150 at Walmart. Do you want to accept it? And I said, "Uh, it's probably my wife. No. (laughs) No, I didn't say that. I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said, uh, I don't know. And she goes, well, uh, I said to her, I said, it's probably my wife. And she, and, and she said on the phone, well, is she in Arkansas? And I go, no, she's not in Arkansas. I decline that. And she said, oh, another one's coming through right now for $900 on NBA.com coming out of Arkansas. Is that you? And I go, no, neither of those are you uh, or me. And then she says, okay, well, we deleted the 900 one, but the $150, um, we're going to have to wait a little bit and we'll put that money back in your account. And you know what went through my head? Yeah. I'll believe it when I see it, right? So, I mean, I get this. I get this, and I'm sure you get this when Thomas says, until I see it, until I touch it, until I can put my hand on his side, uh, I will not believe. But here's what happens. Eight days later, so a week later, Jesus encounters the disciples again. His disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I would argue that if Jesus comes through the door or through the wall, it's pretty important for him to say peace, right? And so he's there with the disciples and he comes in and Thomas is there. And I love the interaction. I love how Jesus encountered Thomas on that day. You probably have heard the story, but then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe, Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. You see, Thomas was there, and he had doubts in his life. Truth is, I've got some doubts. Anybody else? I think being human, we have doubts in our lives, and so what's really interesting to me is that in Thomas's doubts, because he had to see it to believe it, in Thomas's doubts, that didn't chase Jesus away. It actually drew Jesus to him. Do you realize that our hurts draws Jesus to us and our doubts even draws Jesus? He's not chased away by the doubts that you and I have in our life. He's not chased away by that. And he wasn't chased away by Thomas's doubts. And so he said, here, touch here, touch my hand. Go ahead, you can touch it right here. And as soon as Thomas saw it, as soon as he touched it, he saw it, he believed. See, Easter... We need to remember that when you doubt, Jesus pursues you. He wants to encounter you. I don't know what this last year has been like because, you know, Easter to Easter is kind of an interesting thing where um, Easter, as I said, is the culmination. I mean, we go out all out for Easter. We invite everybody we can and, you know, we put it out on the internet. We have online services. We have services in all of our campuses and, and it's so exciting because this is This is the reason our faith is so important this Sunday, because he died and he walked away from the tomb. But between Easter and Easter, there's a lot of doubts that come into our life because life hits you, doesn't it? Life hits you, relationships hit you, environments and situations hit you. And aren't you glad to know that when you doubt, Jesus actually pursues you? He he doesn't say, you know what, when you get it figured out, I'm right here, be happy to talk with you. It's incredible. You see, Jesus wants to give us the miracle of comfort if you have hurt. He also wants to give us the miracle of truth in the midst of our doubts because there's some questions that I don't think we'll ever have answers to. And so what's our response on Easter? The response simply could be just take a step toward him, just take a small step toward him in your faith, and Jesus sees that, he knows that, he knows your heart, he knows what you mean by that. If, you just, if you're having doubts in your life, Easter is the best weekend for you to just take a step forward and to say, you know what, I've got some doubts, I don't have the answers, it's okay, Jesus pursues me, he wants to encounter me, I wanna take a step forward and I wanna enter into a relationship with him or I wanna continue in that relationship with him or I wanna step further in that relationship with him. It's incredible. Our hurts, And our doubts. Well, if you're in the Bible and and you're following along, you can flip over to chapter 21 because the third encounter after the resurrection um, is with Jesus and the disciples again. But this time, not just the disciples, specifically to one disciple in particular, and that's Peter. And it's a really interesting story because in chapter 21, it says that the disciples were so confused by this whole thing, they were out fishing. And while they were in the boat fishing, they caught no fish. They were out all night and they caught no fish. And Jesus is on the shore as they're coming back in um, after fishing all night, and Jesus is standing on the shore. They don't quite recognize him. They think it's him, but they're not sure. And so he calls out to them and said, Hey, did you catch anything? And they said, No, we didn't catch anything. You see, if you're a professional fisherman and you catch no fish, would you agree with me? That's a fail. If you're a professional golfer like today in the Masters and you miss a crucial putt, that's a fail. If you're a teacher and you don't teach your students, that's a fail. If you're, you know, if you're a real estate agent and you don't sell houses, that's a fail. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I think the reason why Jesus was there at the shore was two reasons. One is because he knew that Peter would catch no fish and he wanted to say to him, hey, throw the nets on the right side. In your failure, I've got the answer. Don't worry, throw it on the right side. And they did, they threw it on the right side and they caught 153 fish. John actually tells us in John chapter 21 that they caught 153 fish and they came and then they had breakfast with Jesus. And during breakfast was the real reason why Jesus wanted to encourage encounter peter anybody know that peter on friday the day that jesus was crucified on friday jesus denied jesus or sorry peter denied jesus three times it was literally on friday they they had arrested jesus and people were like don't don't you know him peter's like no i don't know him and people are like well wait, wait. I, I think we've seen you with him no i don't i don't know him and then come on, I think you're one of the, the group that's hanging around with him and I don't even know what you're talking about. I do not know him. Peter denied him three times. And so Jesus, in his fail, how many of you agree with me that that's a fail? Three times he denied him. And this is what Jesus did. It's absolutely amazing. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? You know what these are? 153 fish. That's the reason why Jesus wanted to be there when Peter caught no fish and say, throw it on the right, because he wanted to say to Peter, do you love more than your career, more than fish, more than, more than everything? Do you love me? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then feed my lambs. In other words, I still can use you. I know you've had some fails in your life, but I can still use you. What's really interesting is if you look at the original language, uh, the word love, that Jesus uses a different word for love than Peter uses. Now, in the English language, it's a little confusing, in the English language, most of us would understand because we have one word for love, and that's love. So as an example, if I say to you, I love my wife, I think you understand the difference than if I were to say to you, I love my dog. There's a different kind of love there. Would you agree, church? Right? We all know that. In Greek, which is how your New Testament is written, they wanted to be much more clear about the word love. And so in Greek, there's actually eight words for love. Eight. Most people think there's four. There's actually eight. And in this setting with Peter and Jesus, I want to show you the two that they use. Because Jesus uses a different word than Peter uses. So here are the two words for love. The one that Jesus uses is the word agape, which means I love you in an unrestricted way. I will love you even though you fail. I will love you even though you doubt. I will love you even though you have pain and it feels like uh, you don't love me. I will love you. It's unrestricted and it's unconditional. There is nothing you can do that will stop God from loving you. Now what you can do is stop experiencing God's love. When you walk away and when you decide not to be in a relationship, then you're not going to experience his love, but you cannot stop him from loving you. That's called agape love. Now, there's a second word, and Peter uses that, and the word is phileia, which means deep friendship or loyalty. So here's what happened. Jesus says, hey, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? Peter says, yeah, Jesus, of course I do. Of course I love you as a friend, and I love you... You know, I love you. You know, I'm, I'm kind of loyal to you. Well, that's not what Jesus asked. So he asked him a second time. And this is what happened. So he said to him a second time Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? Unconditional, unrestricted. And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, that I, that I have a, a friendship with you. You know that, you know, there's a sense of loyalty that's there, he said to him. And then Jesus said, Well, feed my sheep. It's okay. I, I can still use you. I want to use you. I want you to do things. I, I, I still have value for you in life. And then he does it a third time. And this is brilliant. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Do you want to be a friend? And do you want to be loyal? And Peter says, yeah, yeah, I love you. Don't miss this. Jesus meets Peter right where he's at. In the midst of his fail, He meets Jesus, uh, Jesus meets Peter right where he's at. He uses the same word that Peter used because he wants to communicate something to Peter. And I think he wants to communicate something to us here today. And that's this that when you fail, Jesus pursues you. He will meet you right where you are. And some of you are like, ah, you don't, you have no idea how far I've gone. And I would say to you, it doesn't matter because his love will chase you down, his love will pursue you, the relentless love of God will pursue you over and over again. So what is our response? Well, we get to love him back. But in the failures of life, Jesus will reach out to us and take that step in, in encountering us because he wants us to love him back and be in that relationship with him. Do you know at the end, at the end of that, at the end of John chapter 20 and at the end of John chapter 21, after he said all of that, after these three encounters take place, this is the words that Jesus gives and this is the invitation for you and I this Easter. And this is what Jesus says to all the disciples and and us included actually. And so he says this, after he said all of this, he said to them, follow me. The invitation to Peter was follow me. Wasn't he following him already for three years? Yeah. But follow me. Because of the fails that you have in your life, follow me. Thomas, follow me. I'm not chased away by your doubts, follow me. Mary, you're hurting. I've captured every one of your tears, follow me. That's the invitation that you and I have on Easter. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond. In fact, I'm going to ask everybody to do this because if everybody does it, it's not so strange and awkward, especially for those of you here today and you're a guest. Would you do me a big, big, big favor and all of our campuses online right here, would you take out your smartphones, I know some of you are like, I don't have a smartphone. Well, I think if you don't have a smartphone, there are cards in front of you. But would you just take out your smartphone with me for a minute? Because I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to give you options to to respond to God. Because God, Jesus wants to encounter you today. He wants to encounter you. And so here's what you need to do. Take your smartphones out and text the word EASTER to 32000. Just type the word Easter to 32,000 and we're gonna respond back to you. Now, let me make sure it's very clear. You're not responding to Fairhaven Church. You're not responding to me. You're not responding to anybody here. This is between you and God. You're responding to God. This will go nowhere except the opportunity for us, if you want, to have a conversation with you, but just text the word Easter to 32,000. The invitation that Jesus gives to follow me I want to suggest that there's four possible responses. Four possible responses. Number one, you could respond, well, I want to celebrate my relationship with Jesus today. You, you may have realized that he does reach out to you when you're hurting and when there's doubts and when there's failure. And you just want to celebrate that. That's a great thing to do. That's why we have Easter. We want to celebrate our relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, uh, that's one option for you. Uh, Second option is that you want to decide to follow Jesus. This is the day for you that perhaps, you know what, you've had some failure in your life or you've had some doubts in your life and you've drifted and those doubts have piled up. This could be your day where you could just say, you know what, I know all I need to know and so today I'm gonna make the decision to follow him. He gives me that invitation and I wanna follow him starting today and this is a decision that you could make today. I was talking to a guy last Sunday actually here at Fairhaven, and um, I, I saw him out in the hallway, and he stopped me, and he says, I can't wait till next, you know, next week, is Easter, and I go, why? I mean, you know, it's Easter, but I wanted to know the reason why, and so I said, why is that? He said, because last year, I was here, and this year, I'm here. He made a decision and this year he wants to celebrate. There's a third potential option for you and that's that you might be recommitting your life. In other words, you, you may have been a follower of Jesus, kind of like Peter, we kind of drifted and he made some failures, made some mistakes and, and created some hurt in his life and so forth. And you just wanna recommit your life. You wanna draw another line and say, you know what, I'm gonna take one more step into that relationship because I recognize. You know that in today's world, with everything that's happened in covid and all the depression and mental illness and struggles that companies and people and families and marriages have struggled with, I believe there's a spiritual hunger today like there hasn't been in the last at least three years. I don't think you're here just because it's Easter and you put on some nice clothes. I think actually you have a desire to at least think about and contemplate the encounter that you might have with Jesus, and someone encourage you that perhaps recommitting would be the thing you want to decide. And fourthly, um, you're not ready. And that's okay. You're not ready. Um, you could just put "Not ready," and, and uh, that way you would just be honest with yourself. And um, what's interesting is that the guy that I talked to last Sunday, he was not ready three Easters ago. Last Easter, he decided, and this Easter he's going to celebrate. It's amazing, the progress of what God does as he continues to encounter us. All right, so you've gotten the response back. Easter, 32,000, and so now you get to pick. Everybody gets to play. If you'll just do me a favor, and all of us do this together. Again, if you don't have a smartphone, there's a card right in front of you in Classics right here at Centerville and Springboro, and online we have a card for you as well. Would you just pick one of these, one of the four? You're celebrating, you're deciding, you're recommitting, or you're just not ready. And any one of those answers is okay. because Jesus wants to encounter you. Is that good news? That's great news. Would you bow with me? Lord, I thank you. I thank you that as we read the resurrection story, that it's about a savior who walked away from a tomb. And it's about a God who loved us so much that he encountered these three people in such a way that it makes sense for me, for us. So, Lord, as we make our Easter commitments, as we respond to the invitation to follow you, I pray, God, that you would help us. Thank you. Thank you that we get to celebrate with billions of people all over the world today, that you are Lord, you are risen, and we're grateful, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Happy Easter, everybody.